Welcome back to Twice Upon a Time. This week, Roger and I watched Season 1, Episode 16, Heart of Darkness. As always, I'll start with a little synopsis. In the Enchanted Forest, Snow has taken Rumpel's potion to forget Charming, and it has made her a cruel person. Snow decides to kill the evil queen, and Charming races to stop her. When a kiss doesn't bring back her memories, Charming jumps in front of the arrow meant for the queen. Snow is touched by his sacrifice and kisses him, regaining her memories, only to have Charming taken from her by King George's army moments later. Snow and the dwarves go after Charming. In Storybrooke, the case against Mary Margaret grows when Emma discovers the murder weapon in Mary Margaret's room. With a nudge from Henry, Emma is certain that Regina is trying to frame Mary Margaret and ask Mr. Gold for help. David works with Dr. Hopper to remember the time during his blackouts and is able to explain the phone call to Catherine, but also remembers something from the enchanted forest that he mistakenly thinks means that Mary Margaret is guilty of killing Catherine. Mary Margaret is devastated and uses a skeleton key that someone planted in her cell to escape. Roger, what'd you think of this episode? This is a top five episode. <laughs> so I'm going to amend my previous statement and remove the pilot as one of my top five episodes. Oh! Are you talking top five episodes of the whole series or of the season? I feel like it would be better if I lied and said the, said the season. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. But I'm definitely talking about the series. Okay. So, yeah, I'm going to amend that and put the pilot at six. This, uh, even though I've not used all of my slots yet, I know I'm going to use another one at least. For the record, listeners, I'm going to continue to track all of the episodes that Roger has named a top five episode. Uh, I really enjoy Heart of Darkness. This this is very much like Skin Deep for me, where it's it's a good backstory. You get a fun parallel between the two. You've got the murder mystery. You've got Snow White without our memories. It's it's really good. It, I, I enjoyed it throughout. What about you? I love this episode. Still not still not a top ten. Real, we're getting close. Uh, top 15? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um really really good murder plot here like it's just it's exciting and I, the parallels as you mentioned are really good even like we get some parallel quotes which we'll talk about as we go through here quotes that are very important throughout the entire series like seri- like season defining quotes yes series defining quotes um and i this is it's just a great episode it also i think we see almost all of our main characters here which we haven't been for a while. Yeah, this is one of the episodes that we haven't mm-hmm. seen one of them missing. Like, all of them are. And there's, they're not just, like, pop up and go away. They're all important mm-hmm. to the story. Exactly. Uh, do you want to start by talking about who I like to call Surly Snow? I call her Dark Snow. Okay, that's that works, too. Yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> this is probably my favorite iteration of Snow White. Whoa! She's amazing. She... She's like if Mr. Gold met Snow White without a conscience. Like, the way that she goes at that night and just disables his knee kind of reminded me of um, Gold in the cabin. Mm. She just whoops his ass with a cane. She bashes his knee in and says, it'll heal eventually. And then talks about how hard a diamond is and talks about that this axe that she has can cut a diamond. And what do you think it'll do to flesh? Pliable, tender human flesh. And you're like... What the hell is going on right now? It's almost like if August were evil, like when he goes into that whole thing about like the typewriter, like what's in the box? Um, I, I think that uh, he would he would describe it in a very similar way. Yeah. 
I also really love her intro at the beginning of the episode. Like, she's she looks more like traditional Snow White than she ever has. She has, like, the red bow in her hair. She's singing to birds. And then she tries to hit it with a broom. She calls it vermin. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the bluebird. This is not the lovey sing to the uh, woodland creature Snow White. This is a dark, dark Snow White. I also think it's a really interesting parallel to Regina's behavior. Uh, I... I, I think even more true than than in Regina's situation, it actually is Regina's fault, everything that's happening to Snow White right now. Like, if Regina just stopped doing it, Snow White's life would be better, <laughs> which is not the same case for Regina. Uh, but she's definitely got to, like, I'm going to blame all my problems on Regina, which isn't necessarily wrong, but okay. Uh, and she is just, like... I'm doing this like I have and she has like a hole in her heart and it is making it has turned her into a person that is not nice. One of the quotes we hear is evil isn't born it's made. Snow White was not evil but she looks evil right now. She looks like she has been made evil. We hear that that phrase twice in this episode actually. Yep. Rumple says it um, to David about how he needs to save Snow White because if she kills the queen like she will have made herself evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Regina says it to David in Storybrooke, which I think is part of a conversation that is like an ultimate flex on Regina's part. Uh, but in Regina's experience, evil is made. She was not born an evil person and she made herself the evil queen. Which is funny because I believe at one point David says, I mean, I appreciate your help, Regina, but I don't think you know much about evil. That is... That and then she says, "People don't even know when it's looking right at them," and the camera like lingers on her. I, I think the exact quote is, "Sometimes evil is staring us right in the face," as she's staring her him in the face, kind of smirking. Her her ability to show that kind of like I know something you don't know with her facial expressions is fantastic. It's really good. She's very 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 good in this episode. Also, and this is an episode why I like this. It has real drama, real stakes, but also has a good bit of humor. The intervention for Dark Snow, <laughs> hilarious. Just all of the dwarves and Jiminy Cricket, and they're all sitting there talking about, like, Grumpy is complaining about somebody else being grumpy. How far do you have to go when Grumpy says your attitude is bad? And then, like, Happy totally loses it, and he's like, look at what you're doing to Happy! I didn't even know that was Happy. Like, the fact that she's made Happy so angry, his name is Happy! He is not happy right here. Well, and I think it's also interesting, not once in this episode does Grumpy say, uh, I told you so, because he tells her, your pain makes you who you are, and when she took it away, she became a different person that was not a nice person. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. Yeah, no, Snow White is great in this episode. She also, for the first time, gives in to what I think had been lingering, which is she hates Regina and she wants her dead. Yeah, I mean, Regina, Regina ruined her life! Regina, had, Regina would argue Snow has ruined of her course. life. Of course. Regina has intentionally ruined Snow's life. Like, she has taken away everything from Snow for no reason in her mind. Well, I shouldn't say no reason. Not a justifiable reason yeah. in her mind. Agreed. But for the first time, she decides she's going to kill the queen, which is a very bold... Um, action to take. Like, this isn't just, I'm going to escape. This is, no. I'm taking my castle back. I'm going to kill this woman, and I don't care what it takes. Totally. <clears throat> uh, also, always love a Snow and Charming episode. Just any any interaction they get. And it's interesting to see the parallels between, you know, when the, the knight that she, <laughs> she beats up with the axe, 
uh, tells Charming that, you know, she's evil. <laughs> this is... Bloodthirsty. She's bloodthirsty. And Charming says that's not who she is. And he truly believes that. And Regardless of the evidence, he knows Snow White's character is not that type of person. Unfortunately, David in, in Storybrooke doesn't doesn't make the same uh, the same deduction. So let's let's talk about Mary Margaret, kind okay. of the other half of Snow White. She when she's being questioned, Regina is there because Regina is always there. She's of course, on the spot. If you need an impartial third party during a police interview, you of course ask the mayor. Not maybe a district attorney. No. Not another lawyer. You ask the mayor. Right. Sure, that makes sense. Uh, who also, what's interesting is that the argument would be that um, Emma is not impartial because she's friends with Mary Margaret. Right. Isn't Regina known to be friends with Catherine? Yeah. And therefore is not impartial here? <laughs> Good point. But Excellent we'll, point. We'll just skip that and say, okay, she's the mayor. She does what she wants. Mary Margaret realizes very quickly that she's being set up when the uh, box is revealed to be her jewelry box. And then the fact that she's having to admit on not camera but video or tape recording mm-hmm. that she was having an affair and Regina is basically just humiliating her. It has nothing to do with her friendship. It's purely just a way to make her feel as bad as possible. And she picks up on it quickly. Uh, yeah, that that had to be a tough scene. To me. And, and she later asks, why would Regina do this to me? So she doesn't understand why Regina, but she's figured out that Regina's doing this to her now. Yeah, I mean, there there is no reason. Why would you try to frame a nice school teacher? Though, as I said just a moment ago, she is friends with Catherine. That's a little extreme. <laughs> I'm not saying it's justified, but I'm saying there is a reasonable motive that maybe she could assume. Another part of that interview that I really liked, Regina says, I know what it's like to lose something you love. It put me in a very dark place. It changed me, which yep. is exactly what happens to Snow when she drinks the potion. And it also tells us a bit more about what happened between Snow and Regina. I promise we're going to find this out very soon. It answers the question of why Regina would do this to Mary Margaret. Yes. Even though Mary Margaret doesn't remember Exactly. That. Regina also is there to continue planting seeds for Emma. Uh, she says, wouldn't there have had to have been a break-in if uh, Mary Margaret said she didn't use the, the box? And of course, Emma pursues that. I mean, it makes sense. Very clearly leading her to finding the murder weapon. Which is, so this is the part of this whole plot. Like, Regina has done a good job of plotting, kind of being her own Rumpelstiltskin. Here, though, this is, like, far too on the nose. I killed someone, and then I tried to hide the evidence in the heating vent in my house. Come on. That just doesn't make any sense at all. Not a trash can, not the river, not, like, I just, I thought I could hide it here forever in my house. In a hunting knife? When have you ever seen Mary Margaret go hunting? That doesn't even make sense. I don't even know where she would have gotten such a knife. And yeah, I mean, people in the moment when they commit a crime of passion often do not think clearly and like throw the knife on the ground or whatever. But she had the sense to hide it and bring it home with her. But she could have hit it like anywhere else. And like, had this been maybe like um, a kitchen knife where she would just happen to have that around or like someone had seen them fighting, like... Everything about this seems like it was premeditated. Like, Regina's making her out to be this long-term schemer, and mm-hmm. Mary Margaret has never really shown... I mean, I guess she has the affair, so people are believing that she is capable of plotting these things, but the the breadcrumbs are a bit too on the nose. Like, it just seems like a setup. And it is. It, it, it is a setup. It is definitely a setup. Uh, do you want to talk a bit more about the break-in? Uh, yeah, let's talk about the break-in. Well, 
Let's or talk the, the break in. Let's talk about the. So I think Henry comes into play here yes. with the whole break in, and then he realizes the skeleton keys don't make sense. Which what was interesting in a previous episode, Emma picked up the skeleton keys and thought it was weird. Yeah, she but, was like, what are these for? And never questions it again. But then she sees it a second time, doesn't mention that she's seen these before. So she she knows these are Regina's. She do, she doesn't mention that she's seen them before, but she says, did you take those from your mom's office? Sure, yes. So she does know, I guess yeah. Yeah, she does mention that she knows them. And then she basically, instead of just letting Henry try all the keys, which isn't going to take that long, she decides after two that obviously this is wrong. But then she gives it one more try and magically Henry gets the right one and the third one. And then now, at that point, she now believes. She's convinced 100% it was a setup. Well, that look on her face when the key works. And she's completely right. Yeah. Like, the keyhole on their door would not accommodate the keys on that ring. Nope. <laughs> like, it just, it, it, they, she's like, they're not going to fit. And, like, reasonably, they just do not look like they're going to fit. And then they do. And then they do. And the look on her face is like, oh, crap. I've been, he, this has been a setup the entire time. I feel like it's a little bit of a, of a crack in the, um, you know, Henry's story to like the fairy tale situation. Yeah. Cause there's no reason that key should have fit. No, <laughs> no, not at all. Also, it's more so one of those things I think Emma realized that like, I dismissed this out of hand and would have missed a very important piece of information. But if that had been the wrong key, but the key was the next one, she'd have never known that. That's true. So maybe she, maybe she should have just listened to Henry. Maybe she should have listened to Henry. I also love when he when he says that Regina does have a motive. She hates Snow White. And Emma is very careful with how she responds and says that will not hold up in court, which is accurate. But he says you wanted a motive. Yep. And at this point, that is the only motive we get. Also, uh, Henry is just skipping school and no one cares. Yeah, that was one thing I was going to bring up. Why isn't this boy in school? Now, okay, maybe the teacher being charged with murder, you get like a... <laughs> you don't have to go to school if your teacher is in jail. Or like maybe, let's say Regina pulled him out of school, right? Like, well, I can't have my son being taught by this murderer, so he's going to take some personal days. Um, which, you know, so I was thinking about this. There's also another logical point to be made from Regina's standpoint of, we think a custody battle could happen at some point in time. If Mary Margaret is um, accused of being a murderer, Regina can now go to court and say, like, Mary Margaret put these terrible thoughts in my son's head. So that's why all this occurred, because Mary Margaret is the bad influence, not me. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, she's going to look like a terrible influence. And she gave him the book, and, you know, so he she can make an argument over there. Yeah, the fact that he's not in school has been a long-running thread throughout this entire, like, series. Like, he sneaks away to go find Emma in the first one when he should have been in school. Why is he... Did she even mention that he's not in school? Like She asks him why he's not in school, and he he just kind of, like, shrugs, and she's like, ah, whatever. That's, like, the <laughs> second time where, like, this happens, where she's just so desperate to be with Henry that she just overlooks the fact that, like, you're his biological mother. Go take this boy back to school. But, okay, he, yeah. she's doing better things and whatever. Um, last thing I want to talk about, Mary Margaret. The look of hurt in that jail cell when she realizes that David is accusing her of murder... My God, pure pain. My gods, excuse me, pure pain on her face. Like just couldn't believe that the man that she believed was incapable of doing something this horrific believes that she's capable of that. Made me cry. Did it. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. That <laughs> There's some real pain there. I, uh, I appreciate rough. that. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine having my wife accuse me of something like that. Like believing that I'm even capable of something like that would be painful. I also... We had both noticed this when we were watching it. Uh, you can hear Snow, uh, Charming and Snow's theme playing when 
David and Mary Margaret are having that conversation and it it like sounds a little darker and it ends on like a down note instead of an up note which is it's it sounds kind of like a perverted version of their theme. I believe the final words that she speaks to him to are "get, get out." out. Mm-hmm. On that down note, so I mean, is is I said this before that this is the lowest point for their relationship. This is the lowest point for their relationship. Yeah. He also sheds a tear, which is. Well, she's also shedding a tear. Yes. Yeah, they're both crying. Yeah. Which is a parallel because I believe in the Enchanted Forest, when he's dying, essentially, they are both crying as well. Well, he's not dying. Uh, he says I'd rather die. He makes it sound like he's, he's gonna die. He's not dying. He got shot in the shoulder with an arrow. He's gonna be fine. Isn't it a magical arrow? It is a magical arrow that somehow didn't find its target, although... It did find its target. <laughs> it, it found the target that Rumple intended it to find. Bingo. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I fully believed he specifically intended him to be shot with it. I actually love that when... She's, she says she, uh, words, words, words. I love you is just words. Actions mean so much more to me. And then that's what he does. He listens to her and he takes an action that shows her how he feels. And I love the way he delivers that line. Like he's, you said you appreciate action more than words. So now you're going to get both. (laughs) And she just looks so irritated so frustrated like it, it seemed like a husband and wife having an argument but she's like uh fine like i guess you threw my words back in my face also what is the thing where it's like um you were willing to die for me well i'm not making this up <laughs> the chemistry between those two just the way they deliver lines like i've had those conversations and it's playful but it's also like yeah clearly i just took an arrow on my shoulder i'm dedicated here like this isn't just words it actually was both really sad and touching too that, like, she said she's never had anyone willing to die for her before. And her life has been pretty rough recently. I mean, I, I don't actually know that it's true. She's, I don't, she's probably never seen anyone quite so directly j- jump in front of an arrow yeah. for her. Uh, but what the Huntsman did, he was willing to die for her. It's true. He was willing to die for her. I think she's had, like, her father would probably have sacrificed himself to... Save her, but yeah. that's her. That father. was a long time ago too, and her her life has been shit since then. Is it a long time since? It can't be that long. Since her father died. Yeah, that's a good question. Maybe it's not that long. Maybe it's been years, but I mean, this hasn't been a decade or so because she's still on the run. Yeah. Okay. So it hasn't been so long, but I mean, she yeah, like you said, her life has sucked. Her mother died. Her her mother dies young, which is a while ago, and then her father has died recently. So it's been pretty bad. Let's talk about charming a little bit, real quick. Okay. Uh, in the Enchanted Forest, we see him going back to his Avenger roots. I think they shoot, like, what is it? Uh, it's a flaming arrow, and he deflects it with his sword. Badass. Really badass. Badass, man. Uh, I also like that he is so determined to save Snow that he literally draws a sword on the Dark One. Yeah. That's a Dark One, mind you, who Grumpy says is the most powerful man in the world. And Charming's like, you're going to give me what I want. As, and, and Rumpel just laughs about it. But it's just, that's a charming thing to do. Like, you're going to tell me what I want. I mean, Charming's not afraid of Rumpelstiltskin. Which is shocking. Yeah. He isn't afraid of him, and he never really shows fear no, of him. No, he doesn't. Everyone else, like, shiver and quakes in his presence. He's just like, like, first time they meet, he's like, what do you want out of this? And yeah. he really is not scared of him. And I think he respects the power that Rumpelstiltskin has, but he just doesn't. I, I feel, as we will see throughout we sort of really see it in this episode, but we'll continue to see it. Rumpel wanted... Rumpel's helped him out quite a bit. 
I also think the difference is that like most people who come to see Rumpelstiltskin need something, so they're at his mercy. Uh-huh. David doesn't charming. David don't he doesn't really want anything from Rumpel. The only thing he wants usually is to help someone else. Uh-huh. So it's very rare that he is looking for selfish needs, or so he doesn't mind making the trade because it's a sacrifice that he deems necessary. And without that, I don't know that, like, Rumpel doesn't indiscriminately kill people, so a lot of times Rumpel needs something from Charming more so than Charming needs something from Rumpel. And in this case, I think he he has a great one-liner. He asks Charming um, for his cloak. And he was like, my cloak? What do you want my cloak for? It's drafty in here. <laughs> it is a dark castle. It is a dark castle. Probably, probably drafty. Now, we later find out that there was more to that than just the cloak, but it's a funny one-liner. I also hate that... In the charming David uh, storyline, so I've I've complained about about David's less than gallant behavior uh, throughout <laughs> throughout this series so far. Understatement of the decade. Understatement of the decade, and he actually does try to do something quite gallant in this episode. He goes to Regina and says, "I need to figure out what I what happened when I was blacked out." because I think I might be able to help Mary Margaret. She didn't do this. Very gallant. Like, he's willing to accept the blame himself. He's willing to jump in front of an arrow for her. And then he sort of undoes it at the end when he... But he does have a memory. So let's talk about that, because he isn't... When I remembered watching this, I thought, how could you accuse her of this? That is so jacked up. And she stood behind you. And then I was like, okay, hold on. He had a memory of her saying, I'm going to kill her. Now, obviously... It's from a different place that he doesn't remember, and it's about a different woman. But he has no reason to believe that he's a fairy tale character with memories from a different time. So all he knows is that Mary Margaret said, I'm going to go kill her in the forest. It, I mean, it, and he came across her in the forest. It does make more sense. Mary Margaret doesn't know this, but like his thought process is pretty logical in this case. And he also doesn't immediately jump to asking her if he, she killed Catherine. He asks her. Why would I have that memory? Yeah, can you explain this memory? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and she's very hurt by it, and he leaves, but he also, in his in his defense, he talks to Regina, who gaslights him completely. Like, this excellent job by Regina. She manipulates him. And like you said, it was not only a flex with the manipulation, she's basically taunting him to his face without him knowing it. Mm-hmm. You don't understand evil. Sometimes evil staring you right in the face. The person behind this entire scheme and both the kidnapping and the curse is staring you right in the face and you have no idea. I mean, it really is a flex, like you said. And she pretends like she's comforting him. When in reality, she's kind of making fun of him. And it's interesting... That she definitely doesn't have the same contempt for David as she does for Snow. I, 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 she'd be willing to hurt him so that she could hurt Snow, but I don't. It, she, she doesn't always seem to me like she's intentionally trying to harm him. I think, um, what do they call it when you like if you bomb someone and they're like casualties essentially, like they just happen. It's basically that like, collateral damage. Collateral damage. Thank you. Mm-hmm. If they got divorced and he broke her heart, she would have nothing but love and adoration for him. Because she doesn't really care about him, to be quite honest. It is Snow White who she wants to hurt and punish and get back. Charming just happens to be the object that she can target. Also, he got knocked out once again by Snow White. I know. Third time, man. After he tries to kiss her, which was kind of funny because he's like, oh, I'm going to fix you. And then she just like looks at him for a second and then just rocks him with, I'm assuming, a right hand or a rock again. 
He she, he gets knocked out cold. Yeah, I mean, he passes out. So let me get this straight. Avenger-level skill set can defeat multiple Dark Knights while holding his baby in one arm with a sword. However, a right hand from Snow White incapacitates him. She's got a good arm. What is the tier level of power here? That's my question. She's got a good arm. She's got a very good arm. And of course, at the end, he gets captured by George. And he is behind bars, much like Mm. in Storybrooke, Mary Margaret is the one behind bars this time. I'm surprised that George didn't have them kill Snow White. I am too, though my suspicion has been that George and the Queen have conversed about this. They have not. Oh, interesting. Um, Are you sure? Yes. We later learn that Regina has imposed... Trade sanctions. A trade sanction on King George's kingdom. It seems unlikely to me that... Yeah. He'd be willing to help her with anything. Because I, I would say, if they had talked, I could see him saying, because if he took away the ability for Regina, because I don't think Regina just wants Snow dead. She wants to kill Snow. Yeah. And if someone else killed Snow, she would be pissed. Yeah. Okay, so that makes sense. So this just happened to be, you know, leave the girl. And also, it may not have been that, like, the knights didn't care. They were just like, we got what we came for. Let's get out of here. That's true. That makes sense. Also, that knight whose face is completely fucked up by the wolf, Ruby, or Red. Who apparently now can control it. We've obviously flashed a little bit later, and she basically tells Charming, I'll buy you some time, and then she runs, and then changes into the monster, but doesn't kill them. So she's obviously under control now, but she's able to just whoop their ass, essentially. I mean, that guy's face has been slashed. Slash. There's also significantly fewer of them than there were before. I don't think that would have made much of a difference. Oh, yeah, I guess she may have, maybe he got away, but yeah. there's a tale to be told. Uh, I want to talk about August for a sure, minute. Sure, absolutely. Because uh, we get another really good reveal in this episode. Mm-hmm. We finally know what August wants. He believes Henry, mm-hmm. and he wants to make Emma believe. That's why he's here. Yeah, no, that's true. And he, there are many things about this character that make you question... If you didn't know that he had good intentions, you'd be real creeped out with how often he's talking to Henry. Yeah. Because, again, I kind of thought this, if it wasn't for the fact that he had met Emma, I thought this might have been his father. Oh, interesting. Because why else is he taking some interest in this little boy? It's kind of weird, but if you think that, like, this is the father, it makes some sense. Now, this isn't the father. We, we kind of know that because Emma would have recognized him. Yeah. But, yeah, he, he believes. He believes the story is true. He's also the first person to come from outside of Storybrooke into Storybrooke who believes, which is interesting. Yes. So there's definitely more to question, like, how did someone on the outside know that this is true? And I think he even says, use your book for clues. He so does. He knows there's something special with that. And he modified the book. He I did. He, he, wants, he wants Henry to find that piece that he modified, I guess. So, in some ways, it seems like he has his own agenda as well. Yeah. He definitely does. Uh, other than that, I don't know that we see him. It's just that one little scene. It's just that one scene. Um, and again, Henry is at a diner in the middle of the day when he's supposed to be at school. No one is concerned. He's at a diner alone. A 10-year-old is at a diner alone and he's supposed to be at school. Well, he's not alone. He's got the mysterious stranger with of him. Of course. Of course he has the mysterious stranger with him. I also love... The, like, play on you're not going to find uh, what you're looking for at the bottom of that glass. He's got, like, a mug of hot chocolate. Which is a very common thing you would say to a person in a bar who's mm-hmm. trying to drink their sorrows away. I will say this, though. If there was someone that I needed to leave a 10-year-old Henry with Granny, it's probably one of the safest people. It's true. As we established in the previous episode, a badass. 
Um, I want to talk about Emma real quick because I love the opening scene with her having to basically book Mary Margaret. Parallel callback to when Graham had to do the same thing to Emma and said, yeah, I know that you're probably being set up or something isn't right, but I have to do my job. And, you know, so it's like she's now on the other side of that same mm-hmm. discussion. And as I said before, she can tell that something just does not smell right here. It's very obvious. I also really like the scene change because when we're in the Enchanted Forest, we see Snow's face on like a wanted poster and then it immediately jumps to Mary Margaret like having her photo taken for what would go on a wanted poster. Yeah, yeah, mugshot essentially. Mugshot, yes, exactly. Uh, Emma and Mary Margaret have a really touching interaction during this episode. Also made me cry quite twice during this episode. Uh, But not a top ten episode, huh? Not a top ten. Real close though. When Emma gets teary, when she tells Mary Margaret to have faith in her to figure this out, like, that really gets me. I think it, that one got to me, too, because you know Mary Margaret doesn't have faith in her. You, at this point, you know Mary Margaret's got a plan to get out. Yeah. Which, which kind of sucks, but you don't blame her. Like, because it, legitimately, Emma says, every time I've gone up against gold, or every time I've gone up against Regina, I've lost. Now, it's weird to me that she changes that statement when she talks to gold later. Because she says, every time I've lost to Regina, I've lost except once when you helped. I don't know why she didn't say that to Mary Margaret. I don't know. Maybe she was afraid that Mary Margaret would try to tell her that working with Gold was not a good idea. But she's the one who hired Gold to be her lawyer. That's true. Love Lawyer Gold. And I love that his reference was, (laughs) well, remember when I got arrested and I got out of it? That was me. I did that. (laughs) I beat the hell out of a dude, didn't deny it, and still got off with the charges. (laughs) I'm the best lawyer in town, which to be quite honest, the facts don't lie here. He got off scot-free. And what's weird is that Emma's like, I don't think influence is going to be needed here. And like, no, this is exactly when influence is needed here. Yeah. If you think you're being set up, the law is not your place. (laughs) What you need is someone who can go outside the law. That's true. Well, and it's amazing how far Emma is willing to go at the end of this episode. And she tells Gold, last time it was just my job on the line. This time it's my friend. Yep. And she doesn't approve of his methods, but she does approve of his results. Yeah, let's. This is the last character I want to talk about before we go into our awards for the the episode. Rumple is referred to by Grumpy as the most powerful man in the world. He's come a long way from being a coward who ran from the ogres. Yeah, just the way that he is perceived by the public now, right? A guy who had basically fled in shame, who is to be mocked and made fun of, is now feared or revered, depending on how you look at it, as a god almost. I mean, big change. Twice we hear the phrase, I'm invested in your future. Yep. Once when Mr. Gold tells Mary Margaret, because she asks, what do you want out of this? I can't pay you. And he says, I'm invested in your future, which is kind of menacing. Yep. But also, <laughs> I'll take it. And then Rumpelstiltskin, uh, when he says, I don't remember who he says it to in that, but he says, I'm invested in your future. It might have been when he's saying it to Charming. I think he says it to Snow also. Oh. When, she yeah. a- when he asks why she's giving, when she asks why he's giving her the arrow. Yeah, I'm invested in your future. Um, Which he is. He is invested in her future, but I also think my favorite part for Rumple in this episode is that she mentions that previously he had asked for her hair when he gave her the potion, and then he gets the cloak, but he didn't really care about the cloak. He gets his hair. Mm -hmm. He puts them together. We see the hair strands intertwined and light up, which means he has found true love for the first time, and now he's got the most powerful magic of all. Also, how does he refer to true love? True love. True love. Marriage is what brings us together today. Was that a reference to Princess Bride? Probably. That was slick and really well done. <laughs> I absolutely love that. A true love. 
Great. Fantastic. I also really love great quotes in this episode. Uh, Mr. Gold says to Emma, something tells me you're more powerful than you know, Mm. which is very telling on so many levels. uh, And we'll come to understand what that means. But he's he's really uh, working for his endgame here. So speaking of endgame, he has no real reason to help them except to spite Regina. Which makes it seem like more so that A, Regina is setting this up and he's trying to undo it. Because it doesn't seem like there's any other reason for him to help. Yeah, he's invested in their future. But for him to get involved like this, and the last thing we really saw from him was him and Regina going at it in the jail cell. Right. I don't think we'd actually really seen gold since then. I think we'd seen Regina. So he's clearly doing this to go after Regina, which is I, I love when they battle. And it's like a proxy war right now. Which is interesting... We'll, we'll learn something in the next episode about how this gets set up. Um, but I want to know who gave Mary Margaret that key. I'm assuming it's Mr. Gold. I also assumed it was Gold. But Henry has the keys. Like, how did like how did she get that key? So I thought there were two people who could have put it there. One being Mr. Gold and one being Regina. Mm-hmm. Because Regina would absolutely set Mary Margaret up to do something stupid like that and show proof of her guilt because she tried to run. Yeah, <clears throat> Exactly. We also find out Gold's a lawyer, which I think we had debated before the episode, and he does admit, why do you think I'm so good at contracts? And him being a lawyer just makes sense. I mean, it really, his chosen profession as a lawyer just tracks. It seems a little weird that a lawyer owns a pawn shop and, like, works in the pawn shop. Like, it's not that weird that he owns a pawn shop, but I think it's weird that he works in it. I mean, that's not his only business. Maybe it's just something he likes It's a hobby. He's an antiquer. (laughs) An antiquer. I don't don't think that's a word. He goes antiquing. How about that? Okay, anyone else you want to talk about before we move on? Um, just two things. I love how Mary Margaret and Snow White always use who and whom correctly. I feel like it, like, perfectly encapsulates her character. Almost like she's a teacher. It's almost like she's a teacher. And then just coming back to, like, if this is really just the overall idea of this episode. But I think the show is really trying to set us up to believe... Who you are is composed of all parts of you, even the things that are painful. Mm. Uh, And pain can make you do things that are bad, but it's not impossible to come back from it. So one of the things that we've talked about, you've always said um, they are cursed to be the worst self. And I was like, well, do we know that? And then you said, well, without your memories, you're a different person. Mm -hmm. This is the most true example of without her memory, she isn't the Snow White we yes. know. And she's capable of decisions that she would never, she would have never tortured that night the way that she does when she's basically Dark Snow. Yeah. So, yeah, there's definitely some truth to, like, without your memories, you're a different person. You're not yourself when you have amnesia. Eat a Snickers bar. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, anything else before we talk about favorite moment? I think I'm good. I think we might have the same favorite moment in this episode. I have two, actually. My favorite moment, I think, is different than yours. My favorite moment is when Emma realizes she needs to play dirty. She finally accepts it's time to fight Regina's fire with fire. That is the Emma that I enjoy. The, like, I gotta do everything the right way BS is nonsense. You see somebody shooting fireballs, you don't just sit there and bring a freaking knife to a gunfight. You shoot back. Okay, that's I wasn't expecting that one. That's that's a good one. You? I have two. Uh, one is when Regina says evil doesn't always look evil. Sometimes it's staring right at us and we don't even not- notice right to David's face. It's just, it's 
brilliant flex taunting David. Like, it's great. And top five flex. <laughs> top five flex. Um, and when Rumpel bottles true love, I think it's just really cool. Like, he... Yeah. It, we finally are able to answer a lot of questions you and I have been asking, like, from previous episodes. Like, why did he want Snow White's hair? Like, mm-hmm. what did he want that for? And, you know, why did he want <laughs> David's cloak? Charming's cloak. It was drafty. And, like, we will later hear, when I, when other pr- practitioners of magic find out that Rumple has bottled true love, they are amazed. Like, they're like, that is impossible. No one has ever done that. And it really says something about Charming and Snow's love, that it was, like, powerful enough to be bottled. So is that implying that no one else has found two people with true love? I don't know if it's that they haven't found two people with true love or if there's, like, something special about this true love. Charming's and Snow's true love is, like, so strong that even their hair is, like, infused with it. Their hair will always find each other. Fair enough. And infuse to be true love. Go with your most ridiculous moment. Henry is skipping school and Emma doesn't even care. <laughs> <laughs> she, he says I'm skipping school and she doesn't care. To help help her with the murder investigation. Yeah, for his teacher. Normally I would find that ridiculous, but that seems to be kind of par for the course. Mm-hmm. Uh, my most ridiculous moment, which you're gonna, you actually commented on. Why is Dark Snow so ridiculously attractive? <laughs> Amazing. Obviously, this says something bad about me, but I love Dark Snow. Loved. Regina is fantastic all the time. Like, you give me a top five list of characters I'm dating, it's Regina and then Dark Snow. You know what would would top off Dark Snow? If she had an eye patch. Oh, good lord. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good lord. That's not going to make sense to anyone listening to this except for maybe two other people. Okay. Um, Who's your loser? Mary Margaret. Yeah, it's definitely Mary Margaret that she just super lost. Regardless of anything else that happened in this episode, the look that she gives David, right there, heartbroken, crushed. If I had to say, like, define heartbreak, it's that moment right there. Agreed. It's, I don't think that there is another loser of this episode. Uh, No, I mean, I can maybe make one up, but it's, like, not even close. Who's your winner? I have two. Oh, if you say Regina, I swear. Regina. (laughs) How the hell does Regina keep winning every episode for you? This is exactly what she wants. That look that Mary Margaret had in the jail cell is exactly what Regina wanted. She admittedly was my second place. Uh, My first place is Rumpel. 100% Rumpel still can win this episode. (laughs) Because, A, he's now involved in Storybrooke, which is what he really wants. And he found true love. And like you said, even other magic practitioners are like... How the hell did you do that? Yeah. This to me is a Rumpelstiltskin victory because he got David to stop snow. He got the true love that he wanted. He's got Emma to now accept that you've got to use the tactics that he approves of. And she even admits, while I don't approve of your tactics, I approve of your results. Everything seems to be finally swinging his way. Whereas I think Regina feels like she's won. But now we're back to the, there's a storm coming for you. Yeah, I think... I, I was having a hard time. I didn't want to choose Rumpel for this episode for the same reason that I almost didn't choose Regina for the last episode. It's not quite clear in this episode that Rumpel is the one that is making this happen. Like, I think we assume that. But, like, from what we now know... You mean in Storybrooke? Yes, in Storybrooke. Yeah. Um, Regina is the one that is... Like, this is her plan. Yep. Like, and she got what she wanted. And that's why that's why I listed her as well. But I agreed. I mean, bottling true love is... And he, he was planning that for a while. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. In, in The Enchanted Forest, it's only Rumpelstiltskin who has won in this case. I mean, I would argue that Charming and Mary, or Snow had like a moment of victory, but then that was very quickly taken away. Yeah. King George also gets a victory here, he too. Like he's, he's, on the, he's on the podium. I mean, Regi- Regina also doesn't die. <laughs> so the, <laughs> she was going to die, and then she doesn't die. Does she speak in The Enchanted Forest? Did we just see her riding her horse? I don't think horse? she speaks. I think we just see her riding her horse. Very much almost a victim and instead just gets mm-hmm. to ride to the Summer Palace. Okay, that's fair. Um, she's, I have to admit, in Storybrooke, Regina does an excellent job of flexing and taunting David. So that's certainly a fair winner. Just damn. So next week, we're going to watch season one, episode 17, Hat Trick, which is a good one. Yeah. If I recall, this is now the Mad Hatter from what I remember from Hat Trick. I also, I pretty much already know who my winner is on this one, if I remember this episode (laughs) correctly. This is another really good Regina episode, and she shows that she is good at doing this when she's actually plotting. Oh, interesting that you think that. I don't think that you'll think that after you watch the episode. Really? Yep. Oh. Well, <laughs> I, I think one, I think in the flashback, I believe that she's mm. 100% at that. I think in Storybook, she pays a price for this, but I think if I recall the flashback correctly, she does get what she needs, and it's, it's jacked up what she does, yeah. but also to get, you know... The uh, ends justify the means, which is who Regina is. Uh, Some things I'm looking forward to. I want to know who actually killed Catherine. Because, I mean, I I think Regina did this. Burying a box in the woods is not Regina style. She definitely asked somebody else to do that. Who was it? So... If Graham were alive, I would believe that he was the one who did this. Mm. Because cutting out a heart is not an easy task. It's hard. And we're supposed to believe this person not only murdered Catherine, but decided to cut out her heart and put it in a box in the woods. That's a huntsman. Yeah, that is a huntsman. You're right. I mean, that's what she hired him to do in the Enchanted Forest. Yep. So, that, and that's, I think, the other reason I'm pretty confident it's Regina at this point, because she's already hired someone in the past to do this. So, who was the henchman in this? Yeah. And what's funny is that, looking at it now, it seems ridiculous. When I initially watched it, I said, did she hire Gold to do this? But there's no way he would have agreed to that, because he's got his own agenda. Uh, also want to know how Emma's going to find evidence against Regina, or if she is. Where did Mary Margaret go? Like, is she going to leave town? Is something bad going to happen to her? Mm. And then, of course, in the Enchanted Forest, we know that Snow and Charming find each other and get married. How is that going to happen? Like, these poor people, can they just, like, have a minute to be in love together? Well, in fairness, when you've pissed off two different castles, it's going to be kind of hard to have love. It's true. Because you have the evil queen and King George after you. Also, it seems like Gold is plotting something. And I'm always excited when Gold is plotting something. Can't Same. wait to see what he's up to. And what are the consequences of Rumpel getting true love? Also curious about that, because I feel like he can do a lot if he's got the most... He's already the Dark One, and now he's got the most powerful magic of all. It's true. And just to sum up, Chelsea cried twice in this episode, and this is a top five episode for Roger. Yep. Well, please be sure to join us next week when we watch Season 1, Episode 17, Hat Trick. And we will see you next time. <laughs>